what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Faith. This is what faith is. It's being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Using for my subject today, the title of the message is Being Certain in Uncertain Times. Being Certain in Uncertain Times. Let's pray. Father, thank you again today, Lord, for the, the, the Spirit of the Lord that is in this place today. Father, we thank you, Father, Lord, that uh, that you are in, in, in this place. Father, we just thank you, Father, for the word of the Lord, Father. Thank you for the power, Lord, that is in the word of the Lord. God, I just pray today that you will increase our faith today. You will encourage us today, Father, during these difficult times that we live. Father, in the name of Jesus and for your glory, and we'll thank you for it. All of God's people said praise the Lord. Well, you may be reseated this morning. Well, the times that we live in today are certainly uncertain. What was once stable is now unstable. What one time was sure is now unsure. So I want us to talk a little bit this morning about some things that are uncertain. And then I want us to uh, talk about some things that are certain. So let's begin this morning about talking about the uncertainty. There are four things that are definitely uncertain. There are a whole lot more this morning, but, but I've just picked out four things that are, that are uncertain. Let me, let me suggest first of all this morning that, that, that people, people are uncertain. How many of you have ever, have ever been disappointed by people? Ever been disappointed by, by people, have you ever placed your trust? Have you ever placed your confidence and and your hope in people only to have them fail you? Sure, all of us have. You know, you know, there once was a day that that, that a man's word meant something. It meant something if you gave a man your word. Uh, if a man gave his word, it was as good as money in the bank. Million dollar deals were done with with a handshake and a man's. Word. Well, sad to say those days are long gone. Today we must have contracts to bind contracts to bind contracts and still people weasel out of the deal. Let me suggest to you this morning that there is no security in people. No security in people. And people will let you down and people will disappoint you. I'll never forget, I've told you this before, but I'll never forget when I, when I went to Midland, Texas to begin Harvest Time Church, starting the church from scratch, and beginning with only seven people. Four of those seven people were me and my family. And so, and so people are always precious, but how many understand when you have no people, when you have no people and you're beginning from ground zero, when people start coming in, people are incredibly precious to you because you don't have any. And God began to send us people. They just began to come from everywhere. And it was incredible to see the hand of God and see the people that God sent to us. But I'll never forget one Sunday, one man who came only after we had been started, only a, a very few weeks. And, and this man was a, well, he was a doctor. And, uh, but he was a giant of a man. Probably six foot six. He might have been six foot eight. I mean, he was, he was like a giant. Probably weighed 350, 400 pounds. I mean, he was a big 
Amen. And I'll never forget that after church, when I walked out into the foyer, or what we called the foyer in that makeshift church, I'll never forget, and you'll understand why I'll never forget, this big giant of a man walks up to me and puts his big old burly arms around me and lifts me up off of my feet and twirls me around about three times. And with a booming voice, he says, Welcome to Midland. You're a breath of fresh air. He said, We've needed a preacher like you around here like you around here for a long time well a few weeks later he quit the church because I preached a sermon on tithing somebody told me a long time ago the people who are first to eat you up are usually the first to spit you out how many understand this morning people are certainly uncertain Certainly uncertain. They'll stand in the front of the church and they will vow to love and honor and cherish you. Oh, in sickness and in health, for richer, for poorer, till death do us part. And yet some of these very same people will walk away from you if you gain 20 pounds. They'll walk away from you if you get sick or or if you lose your job or if they find somebody that they like better. People, they are uncertain. Well, some of them will promise you the promotion when it comes open and yet when the promotion becomes available, they give it to their best friend or brother-in-law. Paul said in 2 Timothy 4 and 16 about the people that were supposed to love and honor him. Oh, people that he had won to the Lord, people that he had ministered to. But Paul writes, he said, the first time I was brought before the judge, he said, no one came with me. Everybody abandoned me. Let's look at something else that's uncertain today. How about possessions? Proverbs 23 and 5 says that riches make themselves wings. Oh, they fly away like an eagle toward heaven. One man certainly understood this scripture. He was talking to his best friend when his best friend said, Well, you know, whatever about it, you know what, what, what they say, you know, that money talks. Well, it certainly does, agreed his friend, because mine always says bye-bye. You know, the book of Proverbs is filled with admonition and advice about money and about possessions. The wisdom writer basically says that anybody that works hard and uses wisdom can accumulate a lot of money and can accumulate a lot of things. But the wisdom writer goes ahead and says whether or not a person keeps or loses his possessions will depend on two things, and they are the motive and the handling of the possession. Read the book of Proverbs. It's just feel. And it tells anybody that will work hard enough, anybody that will use a little bit of common sense and work hard uh, uh, and use some wisdom along the way, they can make a lot of money and they can accumulate a lot of things. And yet it is going to be the motive behind it and the way they handle their possessions that will dictate whether they keep or lose their possessions. Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with all of your wealth and with the best part of everything that you produce. And then, say then, and then, oh, he will fill your barns with grain and fill your vats to overflow with good wine. 
Yes, anyone who works hard and uses wisdom can accumulate many possessions. They can make a lot of money. But friend, if you want to keep hold of, oh, if you don't want your money and your possessions slipping from your fingers or saying bye-bye as they fly away from you, Solomon said, then, then you are to honor God with your money, honor God with all of your possessions. Proverbs 10 and 2 says that tainted wealth has no lasting value. He said in Proverbs 11 and 24, give freely, give freely, and you'll become more wealthy. But be stingy and you'll lose everything. Well, well, I have all this stuff now. I have accumulated all this money and I have this wealth. I better, I better hold on to it and I better, I better keep it all to myself. I wouldn't if I were you. The wisdom writer said if you'll be a giver, if you'll be generous, if you'll give freely, you'll become more wealthy. But if you're going to be a hoarder, if you're going to be stingy with what you have, the Bible said you'll lose it all. Proverbs 19 and 17 says that if you help the poor, you're lending to the Lord and God will repay you. And then once again, the wisdom writer said in Proverbs 28 and 8, in, I love this verse, it says income from, cha- from uh, charging high interest rates will end up in the pocket of somebody who is kind to the poor. Income from, from uh, charging high interest rates will end up in the pocket of somebody who is kind to the poor. Listen, if you take advantage of people, uh, I'm going to tell you, you might accumulate, you might make plenty of money, but you're not going to keep it. It's going to end up in somebody else's pocket. I didn't write that. That's what the Word of the Lord teaches. Now, these are about a few of the many, many proverbs of Solomon, the wise man, that tells us not only how to gain possessions, but how to retain them. And how many people do we know that made lots and lots and lots of money? How many professional athletes that have made hundreds of millions of dollars? Yes, hundreds of millions of dollars. And yet at the end of their career, they end up broke. I can't tell you how many that I have read of people that have made hundreds of millions of dollars in football or baseball or basketball. But at the end of their career, they have nothing. Friend, it's not enough to gain, it's not enough to make, but I want to retain some of my earnings. How about you? Possessions are certainly uncertain. Well, let's think something else this morning. How about position? How about position? You know, there once was a day in in America that, that all you had to do was get employed by a major company. If you could just get employed with a major company, then you were, you were secure. And, and you were, you were set. And all you had to do was just check in and, uh, or clock in and clock out every day for 30 or 35 years and, and don't do anything overly stupid during those 30 to 35 years. Just, just come to work and do the routine. Come to work and do the work. Come to work and put in your time 30, 35 years, same company. And then you could walk away with a gold watch and a nice pension. Well, not so. Anymore. Not so anymore. It is projected that the average American worker today will change jobs five, seven, maybe even ten times in their working career. Downsizing is a, is a buzzword these were, uh, these days. Companies putting two or three positions together and, and expecting someone to do the work of two, three, four people for less money than they were working for when they only had one job. 
What a great day to be a worker in America today. Amen. A manager and a, and a sales rep stood looking at a map on which colored pins indicated the different company reps uh, and the area where they worked. I'm, I'm not going to fire you, Wilson, the manager said, but I am loosening your pin on the map just a bit so you can see the gravity of the situation. People who place their faith and their dependence in their jobs and positions quickly discover just how uncertain and how undependable that they really are. I, I, I cannot tell you how many people over the years have, have said to me, Pastor, I, I just never saw it coming. I just never saw it. I, I just never saw it coming, Pastor. I, I always got great reviews, and my boss was always telling me how important uh, that I was to the company, and telling me that I would be the last person in the company to lose their job. And, and then I, suddenly, out of nowhere, it seems, Pastor, uh, here it comes. I get the pink slip. I, I just don't understand it. Talking about the uncertainty. Right now. Let's look at one more this morning. How about power? Power. You know, 9-11 changed everything in America, did it not? It changed everything. Before 9-11, most Americans felt safe and felt secure. America was a powerhouse that no other nation seemed to want to mess with. Well, those days are now gone. Uh, fear has taken the place of security in the heart of, of too many American people today. Too many people today are afraid to get on an airplane or they're afraid to go to a stadium or, or any other place where thousands of people gather. Oh, they still go, they still do, but not with the same confidence, not with the same security they one time had. The day following 9-11, President George Bush addressed the American people. He said, we are facing a different enemy than we have ever faced in our history. President Bush said, always before we knew who our enemy was. We always knew where they lived. We always knew what they looked like. Today begins a new day. And all the rules have changed. Our enemy, Bush said, seems to be coming from everywhere and from out of nowhere. He said it's like trying to shoot a shadow. He said we have been invaded and we feel vulnerable. A feeling that we have never felt before. Power. Power, it is certainly uncertain. All right, now that I have totally depressed all of us this morning about talking about all of the uncertainties, let me take a few minutes this morning and try and encourage us today as we talk about the certainty. Oh, oh yes, friends. The truth is that there are a host of uncertainties today. We've only, we've only touched on a handful. There are many, 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 many more. But all the good news is this morning that in the midst of all of life's uncertainties, there are some things that are certainly certain. 
And for you and me this morning as the people of God, you and I today as the children of God, there are three certainties that I want to encourage us with today. I want us to leave here this morning not discouraged, not despondent, not down, but encouraged and full of faith and ready to walk out of here with our heads held high today. The certainty. Let me suggest first of all our Father. Our Father. Psalm 46 verse 1, verse 2, and verse 11 says, God is our refuge and our strength. He is a very present help in time of trouble. Oh, therefore, we are not, uh, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the seas. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And the psalmist said in Psalm 125 verse 1 and 2, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved but abides forever. Even as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds His people. And from this time forth and forever. You see, in the midst of life's uncertainties, how, how comforting and how reassuring it is to have, a, to have a heavenly Father that we can depend upon. I remember when I was just a little bitty boy, and that's a long time ago. I remember when I was just a little bitty boy. Why are you shaking your head up and down so hard when I said that? Thelma, God bless you. Uh-huh. She hadn't, she, hadn't, she hadn't said yes about anything this morning. But when I said I, it was a long time ago when I was a little boy, she'd shaken her head. I'm just teasing you a little bit. I, do, I remember when I was just a little bitty boy. Truth be known, I, I didn't have a real good personal relationship with my father when I was a little boy. My dad was just too busy. Uh, but I have a great relationship, wonderful personal relationship with him now. But even though as a little boy, I, I didn't have the best personal relationship with, with my earthly father, but I always, I always had 100% confidence in him to take care of me. And you know, as I, as I look back and I think about it, I've never thought about it, but uh, you know, as I was planning this and putting this message together, and looking back and thinking about it, and as I look back, I, I can see that the, that the potential was there for me to be a very insecure person. Uh, because my father pastored very small churches. I mean small. And, and my father never pastored them very long. <laughs> uh, my, my, my father could get a church pastored in, in 6 to 18 months. I mean, you know, he, you know it's going to take me 20 years to get uh, Bethel pastored. But my, my dad could get her done in 6 to, 12 mo- to 18 months. He could get a church pastor. And man, he was a fast pastor. He's fast. And, uh, and we were constantly moving and constantly going and, uh, to, new, to new places. And, 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 and my dad, the fact is, my, my father pastored six churches by the time I was in the fifth grade. By the time I was in the fifth grade, we were in our sixth church that my father had pastored. 
And, and, and so, you know, that meant several different schools. And you, know, and, you know, my dad always pastored in little churches in little towns. And you know how the cliques are in the little schools in the little towns. Those kids that have been there, you know, for their whole life. And then here comes the new kid, you know. And everybody snubs the new kid because he's the, you know. And, and I, I can see where I could very easily have been insecure going from church to church and from town to town, from school to school, different schools, different friends, different houses to live in. And on and on and all of those things that happens to, you know, to a kid when, when they're moving around a lot when they're growing up. But I can honestly tell you that I, I, I never remember, even once do I remember ever worrying about having food on the table. Never once remember worrying about if I was going to have clean clothes to wear or, or if I was going to have a, have a bed to sleep in uh, at night. I never ever remember feeling insecure or uncertain about things. Why? Why? I certainly had every right to have some of, some of these kinds of feelings, so why did I not? Well, I believe the answer is because I had 100% confidence in my Father. You see, He had always provided for me, so, so why should I question Him just because the circumstances were constantly changing? The circumstances were changing like every six months to every 18 months. I, I, I had a new house to live in. I had a new church to go. I had a new school to go to. I had new friends to, you know, to find. And, and all of these things were constantly, the circumstances were constantly changing in my life. But oh, let me tell you that my father, he was always the same. He was always the same. Oh, listen to me this morning, friends. There, there are many, many uncertainties all around us. But one thing remains certain, and that is our Heavenly Father. And friends, just as a child trusts their earthly father for everything, so we as the people of God, we as God's children today, ought to learn to trust our Heavenly Father. We can certainly be certain about Him. Luke 12 and 32 says, Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I'm talking about the certainty right now. Not only can we find certainty in our Father, but we can find certainty in our faith. Hebrews 11 and 1 that we read as our text, Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain, certain of what we do not See. Now, now let me let me suggest that certain faith or faith that is certain doesn't necessarily mean perfect faith. Now, this is good stuff here this morning. Make sure you get it. I said certain faith or faith that is certain doesn't necessarily mean perfect faith because no one no one possesses perfect faith. No one. The father with the demon-possessed boy in Mark chapter 9, certainly he did not possess perfect faith. In fact, he even admitted it. Mark chapter 9 and verse 24. The father of the boy cries out to the Lord with tears, and he says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, I believe, but help my, my unbelief. You may, you may say, Pastor, my, my faith isn't very strong. Well, let me ask you this morning, is it strong enough to admit it isn't very strong? See, 
That's, that's just how strong that your faith has to be. It only has to be strong enough to admit that it's not very strong. That's not a whole lot of faith, is it? That's certainly not perfect faith. To admit that your faith is imperfect, to f- admit that, that, that you're struggling with unbelief, that you are struggling with doubt. And let me tell you, friend, that's all you need this morning. That's all you need is just enough faith to admit I don't have enough faith or to admit I need help with my faith. It's not perfect faith that gets heaven's attention, but faith in a perfect person, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that gets heaven's attention. Read that story, you'll find that Jesus healed and delivered this man's son even though his father had less than perfect faith. The disciples certainly had less than perfect faith in Mark chapter 5. The Bible said that these Fishermen, professional fishermen, had fished all night and didn't even have one fish to show for it. Now, I can understand that because, you know, I've done more fishing where I didn't catch anything than I did where I caught some. But I'm not a professional fisherman. I, I don't make my living fishing. And I, it's been so long since I fished, I don't even know very much about it. I'm just simply a novice. And when I did fish a lot, I was just a little bitty boy fishing in the little pond behind the house. I, I didn't know much about it then either. But these are professional fishermen, men that gain their livelihood from fishing. And here they have fished all night long and they have nothing to show for it. Not even one fish have they caught. And here they are, they're all discouraged. They are washing their nets and they are putting them away. They are getting ready to go home. They're tired, they're weary, they're disgusted, they're discouraged. And here comes Jesus, a carpenter. A carpenter, Jesus comes by, sees them washing their nets, getting ready to quit, and Jesus says, hey guys, you know if you'll just cast your nets on the other side, isn't it amazing, you know, you know, we've never, we've never run one down in football, but we know more than the coach. You know, we're an accountant, but we know how to pastor. Isn't it amazing? Here's Jesus, a a carpenter by trade, and he's telling those guys, hey guys, you messed up. Well, they didn't mess up. How many believe they'd had their net on both sides a hundred times during the night? They knew what they were doing. And Jesus said, hey guys, if if you'll cast your nets on the other side of the boat, you'll, you'll, you'll get a multitude. And, and, and Peter said, Lord. <laughs> well, probably first Peter said to himself, one, two, three, four. When he got to ten, then he said, Lord, <laughs> Lord, we have fished all night and we haven't caught anything. Lord, we are weary, we're tired, we're just... We're discouraged, Lord. Lord, we don't have enough faith to cast our nets. Maybe we might just have just enough faith to cast a net. Jesus said, cast your nets, plural. Peter said, I don't think we've got enough faith for that, Lord, but maybe we can muster up enough faith to cast one net. 
one time. How many agree that's imperfect faith? (laughs) That is imperfect faith. But let me suggest to you this morning that imperfect faith netted them a multitude of fish. One other of the gospel says 153 in total. Hear me this morning. I'm not trying to justify. I'm not trying to encourage imperfect faith today. But I am telling you this morning that, that imperfect faith can do wonders for you. Maybe you're here this morning, you have cast your nets over and over and over and over again and they've always come back empty. You have tried and you've tried and you've tried and you've tried in a certain area of your life and you're tired of trying it. You're tired of casting your nets. Oh, but let me just ask you this morning, do you, do you have even enough faith to just cast one net just one more time? Maybe you don't have faith this morning to cast all of the nets but do you have enough faith just to cast one net just one more time let me, let me let me suggest something else about faith this is really good this morning certain faith is faith properly directed not properly articulated certain faith or faith that is certain is, is, is faith that is properly directed not properly articulated. You see, the faith movement gave us faith formulas. They taught us to speak things into existence. They thought that in order to possess, you first had to confess. And and let me tell you this morning, in balance, say balance, See, that's the problem with most doctrines. Most, doc- most doctrines start out good. And even the person that initiates the doctrine or you know, in, you know, starts talking, emphasizing that doctrine, they're pretty balanced, but then everybody else adds their two cents. In balance, what they taught us was good, but, but, but it was grossly out of balance for most people. And it actually became faith in faith more than faith in God. And it was more on how that you had to say something just right and confess everything perfectly. It became more about faith formulas than faith itself. More about us and our ability than about Him. Certain faith, or faith that is certain, is faith properly directed, not properly articulated. Let me tell you this morning, I believe it's better to have little faith in a big God than big faith in a faith formula. Or giant faith in faith. Amen? We're talking about the certainty right now. In the midst of life's uncertainties, it is certainly Comforting to know that there are some things that are certain. Our Father, our faith. Number three this morning, our future. Yes, our future. 2 Corinthians 5 and 1 says, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent is destroyed, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. 1 Corinthians 2 and 9, I, no eye has ever seen, no ear has ever heard. It's never even entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love Him. John 14, 1 through 3, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, 
Jesus said, Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, Jesus said, I will come again, that where I am, there you may be. Also, all be encouraged this morning, friends. Although there are indeed many uh, uncertainties all around us, yet there are many things that remain certain. Uh, Listen, friend, we do not have to live our lives in fear. We do not have to live our lives in anxiety. Listen, friend, we do not have to wring our hands. We do not have to walk the floor at night after listening to the nightly news. Fact of the matter is, it would do some of you some good to stop watching and stop listening to the nightly news. Well, how am I going to keep up? It's not hard. You know what? Somebody said it correctly. In times like these, it's nice to know there have always been times like these. Oh, it's never been like this before. Really? Did you forget something the book said? Listen, if you want to hear about wars and rumors of war, all you got to, wars, all you got to do is read the Old Testament. <laughs> it's war after war. After war, after war, after war, after war. Listen, listen, if you want to hear about adultery and rape and incest and drunkenness, all you got to do is read uh, about the Corinthian church. Just read the Corinthians, the the books of Corinthians in in the New Testament. Because it was full of, of, of adultery and incest and rape and drunkenness. In the church. Why did you know so-and-so got pregnant in the, in the church? I can't believe. Oh, well, I, I don't like that either. It's not, but you know what? Uh, nothing new under the sun. Amen. Hey, look at this. Is an, this is an incredible verse. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse 9. The wisdom writer. Solomon writes... And here's what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse 9. He says, that which has been is what will be. I'm, I'm reading right from Ecclesiastes 1 and 9. He said, what has been is what will be. And he said, that which is done or that which is going on right now is what will be done. There is nothing new. Under the sun. I like the words of that old hymn of the church. God is still on the throne. And he will remember his own. Though trials may press us. And burdens distress us. He never will leave us alone. God is still on the throne. And he will remember his own. His promise is true. He will not forget you. God is still on the throne. Hallelujah. We could get the musicians and singers back on the platform very, very quickly this morning. I'm out of time this morning. Let me, let me finish with this this morning, friend. Friend, we may not know what tomorrow holds, but the good news is we do know who holds tomorrow. The subject today is being certain in uncertain times. As much as there is uncertainty in people, in possessions, in position, in power. Thank God we can be certainly certain about our Father, about our faith, 
and about our future. Father, thank you for the word of the Lord this morning. Thank you for the, for the comfort, Father. 